You are listening to Social Media Decoded, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners simplify social media and thrive online. We provide actionable information that you can use and see results. I'm your host, Michelle Thames, and let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Social Media Decoded podcast, the number one podcast to help you learn social media better, to grow your business, get more clients, and to monetize. Today, I am so excited because, of course, I have the best experts on the Social Media Decoded podcast to give you the latest, the greatest social media digital marketing tips that can help you grow your business business. And today we are talking to Hala and I'm so excited because she's going to tell us all about side hustles, right? Social media can be used in so many different ways to help you start your online business, further your online business. And so we want to be a resource to you today. Number one, if you're getting started and you have no idea where to even start, we're going to dive into that. But Welcome, Hala. Thank you so much for being on the Social Media Decoded podcast. I am so excited to chat with you. I am super excited to be on the show. Social media is one of my favorite topics. I'm obsessed with platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram and podcasts, which sort of has a social media element. So super happy to be here. Yeah. So can you tell us how you got started in social media and a little bit more about you and your business? Oh my gosh. I've been doing social media since social media started. So I remember I first started on social media primarily with Twitter. I was actually pretty big on Twitter back in the day in like 2010. And I used to work at a radio station called Hot 97. It's the number one hip hop and radio station in the world. And so I was holla from Hot 97 on Twitter and uh, really learned how to hack that platform. And then I got also really good at LinkedIn. When I was putting out my podcast, Young and Profiting, I started it four years ago. I decided that I wanted to target young professionals on LinkedIn. And now I'm one of the biggest influencers on that platform. And recently I started tackling Instagram and I'm doing well on there as as well. Awesome. Oh my goodness. The background is so amazing. You definitely have the radio voice. So I, I, I hear that. I definitely hear that. <laughs> um, I definitely have to check out that radio station. I just love radio. And I think that you're right. Podcasts are like an extension of social media because you can leverage having a podcast. I think that my podcast has definitely just helped me to put myself in that thought leadership and expertise of being a digital marketer, someone who talks about marketing social media. So I definitely love that. So I want to chat today all about how to create a social media side hustle. And I know there's so many people listening that you know, they maybe want to start something. They have no idea, you know, where to start. What are some of the side hustles that we can start online? What are some of the things that we can do to make money? Because that's what everyone is so interested in, making money, but doing something that we love too. Yeah. So I would say that you want to think about what you're really good at, right? So when it comes to starting a side hustle, you want to think about what are people asking you? What do people think you're the expert on? What are the questions that you're always getting? right? And so for me, I had a podcast called Young and Profiting, and I would interview CEOs, celebrities, bestselling authors. And at the end of the podcast, I'd always get asked the same question. They'd be like, Hala, you're crushing it on LinkedIn. Who does your marketing? And I'd be like, well, I have a volunteer team. I have interns. I have a corporate job. Like, this is just a hobby. I I can't help you. And then eventually, I started paying attention to what people were asking me. They wanted my videos, 
they wanted my marketing services. That's what they were interested in. So that's what I started with, with Yap Media. I launched a social media agency because everybody wanted cool videos. And that's what we were really good at. So we started with that. And then we kept building on top of that. Eventually, we would manage all of LinkedIn uh, for people. We would manage Instagram, YouTube, podcasting, and we just kept, you know, layering on top. But first start with the one thing that everybody asks you about. So for example, maybe you're really stylish and people are always asking you where to buy clothes. Maybe you could be a stylist, right? Maybe people are always asking you for like, editing their their papers or something. Maybe you could become a copywriter, right? So just pay attention to what people are asking you, even if it has nothing to do with the field that you're working in. And if you happen to love that skill that you do and you feel like you won't get bored of it, then start monetizing it and offering that service to other people as a side hustle. I love that. So when we start monetizing though, because there's some steps that we should definitely take, even if this is our side hustle, And so for you, what are your biggest things that you think when it comes to social media? I know you say you're big on LinkedIn, and I think a lot of people feel that they need to start all these different places, but maybe we just start in one place like Instagram and grow that. What are your thoughts? Because I know LinkedIn is huge as well, but many people may not think of it as a platform to share your side hustle or your business on. Yeah. So basically you're asking me in terms of targeting your audience, how do you start? Where do you start? How do you figure all of that out? So first of all, when you have a side hustle, you want to think of who are you solving this problem for? Who is your target client? What does that persona look like? What is their age? What are their interests? Are they male? Are they female? And then you want to do some research in terms of where they're hanging out. And the best way to do that is to find your competitors and see where they're successful and see where they're targeting their audience, where they're spending their time. And then you can start to target those competitors and basically build a lookalike audience. So for example, I'll give you myself as an example on LinkedIn. So when I first started my LinkedIn journey, I wanted to grow my podcast and I'm a marketer, I'm a podcaster. And on LinkedIn at the time, this was four years ago, Gary V was really big, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I thought anybody who's going to like his podcast is going to like mine too. And so I targeted everybody who liked and commented on his post. This is a great strategy that you guys can use on any platform, right? So I targeted anybody who engaged on his com- on his content, on his recent posts. So what that did was it put me in touch with people who were active on LinkedIn. They weren't just somebody who went and got a job and never came back on. They were people who actively comment and engage on content, which is the type of people that I want in my community. They were interested in similar content and, and they were available to be connected with. So what I did is I sent those people an invite. I said, hey, my name's Hala. I noticed that you liked Gary Vee's content. If you like his podcast, you're going to love mine too. I'd love to connect, right? So I, nine out of 10 people would accept that invite. And then the next message would be a DM with a link to my podcast. And I'd give them a little bit more information and I'd have a real conversation. And then all of a sudden, I built this targeted, engaged community. I acquired like 9,000 of Gary Vee's fans. When I would be commenting on Gary Vee's posts, I'd be the top comment with a hundred likes and get even more organic following. And plus DMing with people 
triggers the algorithm to say that you guys are friends. And then those people started to see my content. They remembered that I proactively reached out to them with some thoughtful free things. So they would engage on my stuff, support me. And to this day, I have people who reach out to me from four years ago from when I did the strategy and they'd be like, Hala, I can't believe how far you've gone. Like I remember when you reached out to me in 2018 and you had no followers and you were starting from scratch and like just to see how far you've gone. And so little by little, you can build that following if you're just strategic and think of creative ways to build an organic following uh, in those kind of ways that I was just explaining right now. (laughs) Wow. So I hope everyone was taking avid notes because that is very amazing. And Gary V is obviously one of the, we all know like the best marketers out there. And you're right. Like if you see someone and this, this is why we have to do the research, right? When it comes to our business and really know who we're talking to, because you realize, okay, Anybody who likes Gary Vee is going to like my podcast. Why don't I just target those people? But I think sometimes we get scared and nervous that we're going to steal like someone else's audience or steal what they're doing. But it's not that you want to do the market research so that you are able to have that same kind of success. And Gary Vee, I mean, he still creates so much content. I I mean, I know he has a team and people to follow him around, but he just has so much amazing content that's always being put out and To your point, it's just reaching the right audience. It's reaching the right people. And by the way, this strategy can be transformed in so many different ways. So I'm just going to give a couple different examples so that you guys can start to spin your wheels and think about how you can actually do this yourself, right? So for me, I'm a podcaster. Another strategy that's pretty similar is let's say I interview Barbara Corcoran, right? I'll basically see who's liking and commenting on her posts. And then I'll be like, hey, what's up? I noticed you're engaging on Barbara's content. I just had her on my podcast. I'd love to connect with you, right? Or let's say you don't have a podcast and maybe you read books. You could be like, hey, I noticed that you're reading, you know, Chris Voss's book. I just read that. Or sorry, I noticed that you're engaging on Chris Voss's content. I actually just read his book. I'd love to connect with you since we have similar interests, right? You can even retarget people who comment on your own posts, right? I noticed that you recently liked my post about social media. I'd love to share this free resource with you since you're interested in this content, right? So there's so many different ways that you can use that strategy. The whole point of it is to find something relevant to connect with people on. And if you do that first, nobody will ever say that you're spamming them because basically what you're saying is that you took the first action. You liked and commented on something that I saw and I'm just reaching out to you, letting you know that I have a similar interest or I have a connection to what you did and let's figure out how we can build and let me provide something of value to you so that we can build this relationship. That's the strategy. You talked about building relationships. We have to go into that because I think that that is a very important thing to leveraging organic social media and building your business. I feel that because I did network in the beginning and everything that it's just been such an amazing process for me. You can maybe you network with somebody 10 years ago. You have no clue why you network with them. Maybe it was on a brand campaign or something. And now they're doing something else at a different company. And they say, oh, I remember her from then. So now I have I'm at this new company. Maybe I can work with her this way. So can we talk about networking? I feel like social media, we need to be social, but sometimes we forget that part. We can also network with other people to help us grow our business, collaborate like we're doing right now. This is a Mm -hmm. collaboration, right? And so how do we go 
to find those opportunities. They are on social media. I love that you brought this up. So one of my philosophies is collaboration over competition. And I've had this mindset since I first started. Today, I'm one of the biggest female podcasters that are out there, period, right? But before, I wasn't. I was just starting out. Everybody starts from zero. And so what I decided is that I was going to build a community of podcasters, And I went on LinkedIn. That's where I was really focused. You asked a question earlier that I just want to touch on. And I focused on LinkedIn specifically. I didn't focus on every single platform out there because when you're trying to grow a brand, when you're trying to grow a business, you need a point of leverage. And you can't do that unless you build one thing really big. So you need to build one thing really big and then you can leverage that to build other things on top of it. So for me, I focused on LinkedIn. So in terms of how to network and and how I ended up building my LinkedIn profile, one of the things that I did is I looked at my competition. I thought, who's out there a podcaster who's who else is like doing their thing on LinkedIn, right? I was doing really well from the start because I stood out. I had bright colors and I was attracting an audience. I was doing all these creative DM strategies like I was just telling you. So I was doing really well. And I was like, who else is being creative and somebody who I want in my network? I want their ideas. I want their support. And so I just scanned LinkedIn for podcasters, saw who was actually consistent, posting, innovative. And I said, I messaged them and I'd be like, join my WhatsApp group. I'm starting a podcaster WhatsApp group. We're going to do a monthly mastermind. And then I ended up getting like 40 of the biggest podcasters who were on LinkedIn in a WhatsApp group. And this is called an engagement pod. And it's not against terms of service uh, for social media sites. Actually, uh, these social media sites want you to share their content with your friends. So having engagement pods is actually not against terms of service. And basically what you do is you share links. You guys support those links. That triggers the algorithm that you guys are, that you have relevant content that people engage on. Plus, I would use this as a way to get to know these podcasters. We would introduce guests to each other. We would have a call every month and talk about different strategies. And you can do this no matter what industry you're in. So if you're like a mommy blogger, go get all the mommy bloggers to join a WhatsApp group and then have a call every once in a while. Um, When I was on Clubhouse, I did something really similar. I was in Club Pod, which was with all these podcasters. And I would network with podcasters by basically teaching other podcasters how to podcast. And in that, I met other teachers who knew a lot about podcasting and would learn from them and we'd learn from each other. So it's like putting yourself in situations, whether you're the one starting it or whether you're just participating in something that exists where you're going to meet like-minded people who are doing what you're doing because there's enough pie for everyone and you don't need to compete. You can just collaborate with people and learn and support each other. And so I think having a collaborative mentality like that, and uh, I always say like, be the glue, right? So in this uh, mastermind example that I gave earlier, I was the glue and that made me the most important person in that pod that everybody knew that everybody went out of their way to support because I helped them level up because I'm the one who created this community that was helping everyone. Right. And so you can do that in so many different ways. And I I think it's just such a great strategy, especially if you're outgoing and, and you can kind of proactively recruit people to a group. I love that. And you said a lot about helping. I feel that what we do and the content we put out should always help people. Right. Because like you say, you want to attract those people who want to collaborate with you, want to be around, you want to be a part of the community. And so if you are someone who is helpful, you will build that like, no and trust. So can you just talk about a little bit about like the content that you put out and how it's able to attract those right people? 
Yeah, 100%. When it comes to social media, you always want to make sure that you're either inspirational and motivational or educational, right? You always want to be of service and provide value, especially in the beginning. When you're first starting out and building that community, you do not want to be promotional. You don't want to sell. You need to build that trust and you do that by providing how-to content. That's what it's called, an informational content, right? So something that educates people on your expertise that showcases you as a thought leader or some, but something that's inspiring and motivating. And oftentimes you do that by telling your own story, by being authentic, sharing your failures, for example, because it connects with people. And as long as you tell it in a motivating way, like, you know, there's, you know, the other side of the, the grass is greener type of a way, then you're going to inspire people and motivate them. And they're going to feel even more connected with you because you shared your personal story. So again, motivational, inspirational, educational, those are the three things that you need to be doing on social media. I love that. That was just like, you, you kind of have to post those types of content, right? But not be overly promotional where people don't want to come to you or don't want to trust you. So I love that you said that. And speaking of leaving nine to fives, and I know you talked a little bit about right there, just sharing your experiences and being open about that or and transparent about, you know, starting a side hustle, leaving your nine to five. What is important when it comes to that as mindset for people? Because I know that people see this on social media and they're like, oh, I'm going to start this side hustle. I'm going to quit my job. But there's more to it than that. And running a business is a lot, especially marketing it on social media can be rough sometimes. So can you just give us a little bit of background about, you know, your nine to five that you quit or what did that process look like when you had your side hustle turning into your full-time business? Yeah. So I took a really risk-free approach. I took it really slow and steady and I built it. And partially because I was a failed entrepreneur in my 20s. I started a blog when I was 24 and it went really well. We were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment blog sites in the world, but I didn't monetize it and I failed at the end of the day and I had to shut it down. And so I was really, really careful before I started my next business. I had a very great corporate job and I still wanted to do well in that corporate job. And I had this podcast, which eventually turned into a social media and podcast agency. And what I did is just had to really manage my time well. And I delayed gratification. And for, you know, two full years, I would wake up early before my job and I would work on my podcast and create the content of the day for LinkedIn. I only posted on LinkedIn. I did not care about any other platforms because I had a full-time job. I didn't want to spread myself thin. And like I said, I was trying to grow that point of leverage, which was LinkedIn and my podcast. And so I'd work on my post of the day in the morning. I'd say, um, you know, on the train ride to work, I had to get my LinkedIn post out for the day. This was before I even had like followers. I was that consistent. Every single day, it was my job on the train to put out a post on LinkedIn. Then on the way back from work, I would do all of my engagement. So I would do all my comments, respond to my DMs and and community engagement on the way back. And during lunchtime, I would often do my interviews for my podcast and like any space that I could find, even if it was a bathroom or a closet. I didn't do video at that time. So I got away with, you know, just doing it in really weird places at the office. And I took it very seriously. I would work until midnight. I was lucky at the time I was dating somebody who was a music producer. He worked at night. And so I'd make him dinner. We'd hang out. And then he'd go to work. And I'd continue working on Young and Profiting podcasts. And I did that for two years straight 
16, 18 hour days. No joke. Every weekend I worked on it four hours a day. And, you know, we all have the same 180 hours a week. It just depends on how you use it. I watch zero TV. I still to this day watch zero TV unless it's like a date night and I'm watching a movie or something. But honestly, I don't watch any TV and I just try to be very, very productive with my time. And so I took it the slow and steady way, the risk free way, because I built my business so big. In fact, when I quit my job at Disney, I was a, I used to work at Disney streaming services. I had 30 employees already around the world. I was already making, you know, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to inspire people. I was making like $80,000 a month already. And I still was working my full-time job because I just, I was, I just didn't want to make a mistake. And I wanted to make sure I was really ready because I think it's irresponsible to not be able to, the last thing I wanted to do was ever have to like borrow money from someone or like, you know, not be able to take care of myself. So I took it very slow and steady. It took me a full, um, two years to quit. It actually like almost three years before I actually quit my job. And then it was smooth sailing because I had built such a great foundation. It was no headaches. I didn't have to worry about money. I was just secure. I could pay myself way more than Disney paid me. And it was all good. So more of the story in my case is don't just jump off a bridge without having a plan. Make sure that there's actual demand. I knew that there was demand. I knew that that it wasn't just like a fluke. I didn't just accidentally get a couple clients. I was able to get client after client very consistently. I knew that I was like going to be able to train my team that people would retain, that I, I knew my margins. I had projections. Like you have to do the work, right? Um, when it comes to a side hustle, just last thing, and then I'll I'll, uh, I'll pause because I know I've been talking for a while. But when it comes to a side hustle, you need to test your ideas, right? Not everything's going to stick, and and that means testing your ideas before you invest so much. So don't go buy a logo and spend a thousand dollars on a logo or brand guidelines. Don't go spend five thousand dollars on a website. I, I know I know a girl who's launching like a liquor company, and she, she's been talking about it for years, and she keeps saying, "Oh, I'm I'm working on my trademark." I think she spent ten thousand dollars already trying to get a trademark for name. She has no idea if anybody would even buy it yet. It's nuts to me. You can start a business, especially a service-based business with no money. And you just need to just sell to your friends, your family, see what sticks first in your immediate network before you go investing a whole ton of money. Because to me, that's just a really silly thing. I'm over here with the praying hands because everything that you just said, we have so much in common, number one. So definitely, this has been an amazing, amazing connection. But everything that you said, you have to have this foundation built first. Like you, before I jumped ship, I wanted to make sure that I have this foundation. But I had been an influencer for probably 10 years, 13, 12 years, 11 years or so before I quit. Mm. Um, then that's when you start to build that. But you still, like you said, have to have security. Is anybody even going to buy my stuff? Is anybody even like me on social media, right? I've built up, I've been on social media, like you said, since MySpace. And then I was first on Facebook when it first started back in college. And then I was first on Instagram. Um, I was on Clubhouse too when everybody was on there for fifty nine thousand hours. It's changed. I'm still <laughs> on there too. It's still a great, um, still a great asset to my business. But I agree with you. Having a plan and really understanding that a lot of people put things on social media that may not be true. So don't necessarily like believe that easy path that it's going to be because it may not be. But you don't want to, like you said have all this stress because you've jumped ship and you have this product that you don't know if anybody's going to buy. Because I've had failed launches. I've had mm -hmm. failed launches, right? 
but you have to keep moving forward. So that was so great that you said all of that. I'm just, I'm just like, oh my goodness, take notes, everyone listening. This has been such a great <laughs> episode. Oh, so we've covered so much in 20 minutes, which I love, you know, this podcast because I bring on amazing experts like you who know what they're talking about and provide valuable information in a short time span. So this has been so great. I would love to know just a little bit more about who, what you do and where everyone can follow you on social media because we want to keep up with all the amazing things that you are doing. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. So you guys can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala. If you just type in H-A-L-A, you'll find me in two seconds. And I'm always posting on there. I'm also on Instagram at Yap with Hala. I'm on YouTube, Young and Profiting. And then, of course, the podcast channel. So I have a number one podcast called Young and Profiting. I've interviewed people like Matthew McConaughey, Deepak Chopra, Seth Godin, Ed Milet, Dave Asprey. It's a self-improvement podcast. I interview the brightest minds in the world. I do a ton of research. It's an amazing show. That's why we're number one. I'm going to be the number one female podcaster in the world. I'm already like top 10 female podcaster. And uh, I say that because I always say that out loud to manifest it. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that's where you can find me, Young and Profiting Podcast. Yes. And we will have all of that information in the show notes because please check her out. She's amazing. Check out the podcast. So many amazing episodes with so many, like she said, amazing people with like minds. So definitely check out that podcast. Thank you so much again, Holla, for coming on the Social Media Decoded podcast. And we would love to have you again in the future to talk about even more because we can only, we've only touched on the surface level when it comes to really creating a side hustle, turning that into an online business and much more. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Social Media Decoded Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in into today's episode. I hope that you got some gems. If you got some gems, make sure to tag me on Instagram at Michelle L. Thames and share those gems with me. I cannot wait to talk to you all in the next one. Peace.